Easter and leave at present, though he's planning to be back um, for today, the first Sunday in June. Um, so we look forward to seeing him then. Um, as I understand the best doing well, I spoke to Dave Midsbeek, best doing well. She still has another hospital visit to come and uh, hoping after that we show get back to school. So we continue to keep them death and the whole family in our thoughts and our prayers at this time. Um, welcome this morning, Reverend Roger Burse. Uh, Roger is a minister in the Presbyterian Church of Ireland and he's on holiday at present visiting his daughter who is Karen Miller, who is the captain of the Girls' Brigade in Garkosh. So um, we welcome you, Roger, to Garkosh. Hope you enjoy your time with us. And thanks for being here to lead us in worship this morning. And we look forward to the message that you have for us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for your warm welcome. I'm delighted to be here sharing uh, in worship. Today is a special Sunday. It's Pentecost when we remember the coming of the gift of the Holy Spirit. He came when the disciples were gathered together in one house in Jerusalem. They had been told by Jesus to stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came. It may have been uh, in the same upper room that Jesus met with his disciples for a last meal. We remember the coming of the Holy Spirit was very dramatic. The sound of rushing wind and tongues of flame sitting on each of the disciples who were gathered there. The gift of the Holy Spirit was the power that the disciples were going to need if they were going to be the people that Jesus needed them to be. If they were to follow the commands and the way of Jesus. And we all need that same spirit, that same spirit of power to help us live the Christian life. And the good news at the centre of our worship this morning is this, that the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us all, even in our day and generation. Listen to some words from John's Gospel, the 14th chapter and verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I will ask the Father, and he will give another helper who will stay with you forever. He is the Spirit who reveals the truth about God. The world cannot receive him because it cannot see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and is in you. Let us worship God. Let us pray. Lord, we come to offer our worship. We acknowledge your power. You call the universe into being with a word. The heavens tell of your glory and the earth proclaims the work of your hands. We are here because you invited us to come. We are here because of your son. In him we see the greatness of your love. You love us and seek the best for us, even when we act in ways that are self-defeating. We seek the confidence of faith, because so much in life threatens to wear us down. With all, we recall the cost of our redemption, when Jesus died that we might have life. Strengthen us to be more like him. 
You've shared your spirit when we're flagging, when our discipleship is uncertain, when our faith is under pressure. May your spirit be with us, show us the way you want us to take, and strengthen us for the journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our first praise is in mission praise. It's number 664. And obviously all our praise this morning is linked to the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit lives to set us free.
come to listen and learn. To get a new perspective as we sense your love and purpose for us. We have so much to give thanks for. For homes and work, for family and friends. For those who have touched our lives, showing something of your love. Who gave us confidence when we were dying. Who stood by us when we were in trouble. Most of all, we give thanks to your Son. Because everything we believe is based on the truth we have discovered in him. He is the rock on which alone we can build secure lives. In word and action, he showed us that you are a loving Father. We come with thanks and praise, and yet, there is a question that lingers at the back of our minds. We wonder who we are, that you should offer us redemption through your Son, for we are sinful people who have often turned our backs on you. While we have been ready to give up on you, you continue to love us, no matter what. And you share with us the good news that all that is negative and destructive will not have the last word. Fill us with your spirit as we commit ourselves to live the life of Christ. But we confess that we have stifled your spirit within us. You've sent the spirit of love, yet we have preferred to hate those who oppose us. You've sent the spirit of joy, but we have taken your gifts for granted and been ungrateful. You've sent the spirit of peace, but we have allowed our selfishness to cause division and disharmony. You've sent the spirit of patience, but we have been worried and anxious when we have not seen immediate results from our efforts or the evidence of your love. You've sent us the spirit of kindness, but we have been indifferent to other people's needs. You've sent us the spirit of goodness, but through our thoughtlessness as well as our deliberate wrongdoing we have sinned. You've sent us the spirit of faithfulness, but we have been fickle in our resolve, unreliable disciples of Jesus. You sent us the spirit of gentleness, but we have been insensitive to the feelings of others. You sent us the spirit of self-control, but we have lived recklessly without disciplining ourselves. Forgive us, Father God. Teach us how much we need the power of your spirit in our lives. And breathe new life into us. For Jesus' sake. We sum up our prayers in the words that Jesus himself taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our first reading is from the Gospel of St. Mark. You'll find it in the 11th chapter, 
reading from verse 12. It's the odd story of Jesus condemning a fig tree for not having any fruit.
we come to our second reading, which is a reading from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, the first chapter, and he's talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit. Already in our prayer of confession, we have mentioned the variety of gifts that we have been given uh, by the Holy Spirit. Paul is talking about various gifts of the Spirit, and the important thing for us to notice that all of us have gifts given to us, and all of us can use those gifts in the service of the church. First Corinthians 12. Now concerning what you wrote about the gifts from the Holy Spirit, I want you to know the truth about them, my brothers. You know that while you were still heathen, you were led astray in many ways to the worship of lifeless idols. I want you to know that no one who is led by God's Spirit can say a curse on Jesus. And no one can confess that Jesus is Lord unless he is guided by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit that gives them. There are different ways of serving but the same Lord is served. There are different abilities to perform service, but the same God gives ability to everyone for their particular service. The Spirit's presence is shown in some way in each person for the good of all. The Spirit gives one person a message full of wisdom, while to another person the same Spirit gives a message full of knowledge. One and the same Spirit gives faith to one person, while to another person he gives the power to heal. The Spirit gives one person the power to work miracles, to another the gift of speaking God's message, and to another the ability to tell the difference between gifts that come from the Spirit and those that do not. To one person he gives the ability to speak in strange tongues, and to another he gives the ability to explain what is said. But it is one and the same Spirit who does all this as he wishes. He gives a different gift to each person. All of you are Christ's body and each one has a part of it. May God bless to us these readings of his word and to his name be glory and praise, time without end. Amen. Our next praise is Breathe on me, breath of God.
fig trees were the first, probably the first, fruit tree cultivated by human beings. They're found from Asia all the way through the Mediterranean. A cousin of mine has grown an extremely large fig tree on the outskirts of Newtonards, County Down. And if he can grow it there, you can grow a fig tree in Gartkosh as long as you have a south-facing warm wall. Now you didn't know you were going to come to church today to get some gardening tips. Nevertheless, Jesus was in Jerusalem. It's towards the end of his life. He was journeying to the city. He was hungry. He saw a fig tree. We know it was time of Passover, which is either in March or April. It wasn't the season for figs. He went looking for figs, didn't find them. And he said to the fig tree, may no one eat fruit from you again. A day later, the tree had withered right down to the roots. And the disciples remember what he said and drew his attention to it. Well, isn't Jesus being somewhat unfair to expect fruit in April or March? When in fact, you wouldn't expect fruit from a fig tree until maybe July. The disciples are aware that Jesus is talking to them about bearing fruit. And this has been a troublesome story for the interpreters of the Bible. It's the only time in the Gospel where Jesus seems to be acting destructively. It seems at first sight to be almost an act of bad temper. He was hungry, he looked for figs to satisfy the hunger when he discovered no fruit, he cursed the tree. Even though it wasn't the season for figs. But what if it wasn't an act of bad temper, but an acted parable? The word parable in Greek means literally to throw alongside. It's as if someone was throwing a ball. Instead of throwing it directly to you, they throw it to the one side. You have to kind of reach out and grab hold of the ball. Well, it's the same thing about a parable. Its meaning is not immediately obvious. You have to think about what the meaning is for you. Jesus was trying to get people to think about the meaning of this acted parable. The other way that often we can interpret scripture is to see what story comes before it or what story comes after it to see if we can understand the story. And in this case, it's as if the two halves of the story, the first half in which Jesus curses the fig tree and the second half when it's drawn to his attention by the disciples, bookends the story of Jesus going to the temple and discovering that it has been turned into a marketplace in the court of the Gentiles. People were buying and selling the animals they were going to use for slaughter. They had to change the money that they normally used into special temple money. 
And Jesus overturned the tables of the money changers. And he said, you have turned this house of prayer for the people of all nations into a den of robbers. The next day the disciples see the fig tree dead to the very roots. So maybe the point that's being made is that those in authority have produced no fruit in their lives and they represent an Israel that has failed to produce fruit. The Apostle Paul speaks of the fruit of the kingdom, the fruit of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit in our lives. When he says, that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like the first disciples, it is our mission in life to produce that fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, wherever God has placed us. And when we do that, the world gets a glimpse of the kingdom that Jesus came to bring into being in us. Now, if you're like me, you are not going to say to Jesus, well, I don't think it's a good idea for me to produce any fruit. Instead, we say to Jesus, yep, I am going to bear fruit. I am going to take my spirituality seriously and engage with the scriptures and deepen my prayer life. I am going to care for those who are in trouble, those who are broken hearted. I'm going to start making a difference with my life and be, allow my life to be used for the new kingdom. I'm going to do all of that really soon. It's part of my strategic plan. But it's not the right season for me to produce the fruits of the Spirit in my life now. I'm really busy at work. I have my hands full with the children. I have so little time, so little money. How can you expect me to give it away? If you're young, you can say, well, when I get my career established, then will be the time for me to produce fruit. And those who are older, well, maybe you can say, well, my fruit-bearing days are largely in the past. I mean, God couldn't really expect me to produce much fruit in my life at this stage. There is no shortage of good excuses for not producing fruit. You can be too young, too old, too busy, too exhausted from the last season of bearing fruit. And maybe you're right. Maybe you have a viable excuse for not producing fruit in your life. Just the same way that you can't expect a fig tree to produce fruit in March or April. In C.S. Lewis's classic book, The Screwtape Letter, Screwtape is a high-ranking demon in the service of, Israel, of uh, evil. And he gives advice to Wormwood, who is a new recruit, on how to hinder the spiritual growth 
of New Christian. In one of Screwtape's letters, he instructs Wormwood not to tell the followers of Jesus that they should not follow the commands that Jesus gives them. Tell them instead, there's no hurry. There's plenty of time. That's the devil's favourite temptation. But you know, there isn't plenty of time. We only have today. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. The question is, what are we going to do with the day that we're given? Well, why does Jesus call us to produce fruit in our lives? He doesn't have to use us to bring about his kingdom. It is his grace to allow you to be part of that kingdom. And now we have to make a choice. And every day we have to make the same choice. How are we going to use this day? Will you use it creatively? Will you find some way of making God's kingdom real? Will you go out of your way to help someone whose problems may very well be of their own making? Will you speak the truth when on other occasions you've been too intimidated to say anything? When you hear of someone who needs help, will you put your hand in your pocket or are you determined to use all the resources you have on yourself? When you encounter someone who tries your patience to the uttermost, will you listen to them and not say the cutting word that they might very well deserve? Will you choose to live by the values of Jesus in the power of his spirit and not spend all your time in vain regret of what happened in the past or anxiety about what might happen in the future? Will you bear fruit and make a difference? Or will you put it off until it's too late? To do that is to waste our lives and wasted lives are pretty disappointing to Jesus. You see, the world out there tells us to put yourself at the centre of your existence. Put your own needs first. Satisfy those needs first and foremost. That's the way to happiness. When we spend our time thinking about ourselves, our job, our family, our problems, what we think we need, and we leave everything else out of the reckoning. It might seem to be the right order, but Jesus tells us the exact opposite. But we may waste so much of our life until we discover that Jesus' way is totally different to the way of the world. And there are those who never discover that. You see, we need to commit ourselves to a purpose that's greater than we are. A purpose that says we can make a difference in the world. And in making a difference to the world, we make a difference to ourselves. Throughout Mark's Gospel, he con Jesus continually tells his disciples, and therefore us, that we are to proclaim the Gospel. He tells them, you're to heal the sick, feed the hungry, become the servants of others. 
cast the demons out of society and tell the good news of the forgiveness of sin. This is how Jesus is going to bring his new kingdom into being. Not by taking over the houses of power, but by taking over our lives. He calls us to make his discipleship the great purpose of our lives. To recognize that we cannot live by bread alone. There's a spiritual dimension to life. We're to be salt and light in our community. We're to live by the values of the kingdom rather than the grab-all-you-can values of our world. It's a world that also always seems to break down and destroy. And yet we are called to follow Christ who sought to heal and restore. He calls us in a society full of selfish greed to follow Christ whose one command was to love. He calls us to be loving people. And to do that, we need the gift of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it in our own power. If we are to be the people that Christ wants us to be, and if our lives are to grow and flourish, if we are to make a difference in the world, we need to lay hold on that Holy Spirit that is God's gift to us. And that Spirit will grow within us and will help us become the people that he wants us to be, producing fruit wherever we happen to be. And to God's name be the praise and the glory. Time will end. Amen. <coughs> we come to our prayers uh, for other people. I'm particularly glad uh, to be here uh, today at a time when the Church of Scotland is meeting in General Assembly in, in Edinburgh. Within the Presbyterian Church in Ireland, we have always regarded ourselves as the eldest daughter of the Church of Scotland. And sadly, in recent years, the ceremonial link whereby we always invited the moderator of the Church of Scotland to our General Assembly has sadly been broken. And it has broken the hearts of many of us uh, in Ireland. And I'm delighted to be able to pray for the Church of Scotland meeting in General Assembly uh, today. And to think of the wider uh, needs of our world and the needs of us as individuals. Let's pray. Eternal God, we give thanks that you have called us into the church. It is an inestimable privilege to be part of your kingdom. We pray for the Church of Scotland meeting in General Assembly. Remember the challenges that face the Kirk and the decisions that have to be taken, wrestled with as we seek to bear fruit through the parishes in the whole of this land. We pray for the incoming moderator that he will know your guidance and strengthening. We pray for this parish of Gartkosh, 
for the minister and his family at a time of particular challenge to them. We pray for Beth and seek your healing and restoration. As we give thanks for your goodness to us, we remember the big issues that we face in our world. We give thanks that a ceasefire has come into being between Israel and the Gaza Strip and Palestine. And we ask that that ceasefire will hold and violence will end. And remember the aching hearts of so many who have been bereaved on both sides of that divide. We pray for those who are injured, those whose homes have been destroyed. We still are coping with the effects of the pandemic. We pray for the parts of the world where nations are poor, where healthcare is patchy or non-existent, where very few have been vaccinated and where the virus is still causing death and mayhem. We pray that the richer nations of the world will be generous with their provision for those parts of the world who cannot afford the vaccine and whose health care and hospital cover is very minimal. But you are not only the God of nations, you are the God of individuals. And we pray for those who are sad because someone close to them has died, those who are lonely, those who have given up on themselves, those who have lost a job or not been able to find work, especially young people who have left university and college last year have yet to find their first job. We still have to work out the full implications of all the pandemic will mean for many businesses. We pray for those individuals who put everything of themselves into a business over years who fear that the business will be lost. Strengthen all those who look to you that they will know your love and grace. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our last hymn is Thou Whose Almighty Word. Why we remember the coming of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in a special way in that house in Jerusalem today. We also need to remember that the Holy Spirit is part of God, the active power of God that has been there from the very creation of the world. And our last hymn, Thou Whose Almighty Word, takes up that theme of the Spirit of God in creation.
Will you please stand for the benediction? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank mm -hmm. you.